This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and boy, do I have a treat for you. We went down under and found Sherry and Gleason, and she is coming in to share with you guys today. Sharon, I know you're up bright and early to come hang out with me today. Thank you so much for adjusting your morning so we can get this thing recorded for the listeners. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. For sure. Well, after the conversation we had, how could I not? So let's do... Something I haven't done in a while in the past few episodes. I don't think I've done it for any of the episodes this month. Let's give the listeners right up front. If they want to learn more about you, where should they go? Probably it's LinkedIn would be the best place to connect with me at the moment. So Sharon Gleason. If they're on LinkedIn, I am on social media. So Facebook and Instagram under Health with Sharon. Health with Sharon. So there it is. You guys know what type <laughs> of show this is. We're talking health today, baby. Listening. It's <laughs> I've, I've been wrestling with this weight thing. I, I went to my physical a couple of weeks ago, had the best blood pressure I've ever had. And then the doctor looked at me and she said, hey, you probably should lose 35 pounds. And I was like, where am I lose 35 pounds from? And <laughs> she was like, well, we want to get your BMI closer to whatever the recommendation. None of this sounds like fun. But <laughs> I've been going to the gym. We've been running. We've been doing all this stuff. And some of it feels really taxing. And you have figured out how to keep people from being on this yo-yo thing. And it's you, if I understand it correctly, it's more of a lifestyle than a diet. Is that you fair? got it. Wow. That is absolutely right. I think okay. what happens is a lot of people approach it with a diet mentality because that's how we're conditioned. And the diet industry love that. They love us to be always chasing that next diet. Whereas really when people are doing that, usually what it means is a diet often means restriction cutting things out. Like you just said, it doesn't sound like fun. And so if it's hard to do, it's then really, really hard to stick to long-term. So we might be able to do a 30-day challenge or a six-week challenge or whatever it is. And then we get through that. And I know so many people say, I can't wait till that's over so I can go back to living life how I was. And so that's why they're on that yo-yo cycle. So for me, it's more about exactly what you said, Jerome. It's finding a lifestyle where you can still achieve your health goals, but still Enjoy going out with friends. I mean, it's a big part of life that people think that when they're on a diet, they can't go out with friends and enjoy some of the things that they really love. Wow. So you don't have to put yourself in a box and hide from everybody when you're working on your health. You can no. still go out and enjoy the life that you have. Absolutely. Because people have to learn how to, I mean, we're such a busy society now, like people travel a lot. And where, where I live in particular, you know, in Western Australia, like mining is a big part of our industry. It's our primary industry. So a lot of people do what we call FIFO, which is fly in, fly out. So they'll fly in to work for two weeks, fly home for a week. And so a lot of people travel for work. 
So people need to learn how to travel, how to live around whatever unique lifestyle they've got, because we all live very different lifestyles. I heard someone say, you know, that saying, we've all got the same 24 hours in a day. We don't. We've all got 24 hours in a day, but we don't have the same 24 hours. My 24 hours in my day now is very different than it was even five years ago when I had two girls in high school. I now have two girls who are at university. So my day is very different. I'm not running kids around to school and ballet and so on. My life is different. So I think for me, it's about figuring out what's your unique lifestyle? What are the challenging factors you have, whether that's travel, whether that's you know, you've got four kids or you're working full time and you're really busy and you're trying to actually live a healthy lifestyle around your family. Is it that you're a single person and you don't really want to have to cook a lot? How do you actually, how can we help you figure out what's going to work for you rather than trying to find something that you've gotten off a shelf or something that you've heard works for someone else? All right. So have you just been a stay at home mom and that's why you've been able to do the kids stuff and do the meals and all this stuff? Or was there a different story before you got into the health coaching kind of full, full time? Very different story before the, before the health coaching. So my background's actually human resources and change management. So I actually studied teaching and decided that I didn't really want to spend my days with kids. I thought I'm a more adult type person. So yeah, I had a really amazing career in corporate Australia, lots of different industries, really loved the change management side. And I think that's where like, I spent a lot of time helping people maximize their effectiveness in the corporate world. But now I get to do that, you know, in their personal lives. But for me, you know, when, when we had a family, I really wanted to be there for my kids, like a lot of mums do. But of course, you know, we've all got pressures and finances and so on. And look, to be honest, I was probably quite fortunate. I didn't necessarily have to work, but I'm the sort of person where I would have struggled if I was just staying home all day. And I always say, you know, you can't just have lattes and go shopping all day. I, I knew that I wanted to do something that would fulfill me and also to be able to keep my own identity rather than wrapping it all up in the kids. So I was actually really fortunate. I, because I was in consulting, I was a little bit in control of my time, but that started to get harder. It worked really well when the girls were in primary school, but when they went to high school and they were in two different schools and then my eldest daughter started doing professional ballet, that whole running around thing just got crazy. She'd need to be picked up from school on a Wednesday at lunchtime, I'd have to take her to ballet. I'd be running back to get the other one. So just, I found that my work week was shrinking and the pressure on me, I was this crazy mom running into school, grabbing one kid, racing off to the other one, leaving home in the morning with ballet bags, you know, afternoon tea. And this is at, you know, 5am because they did swimming. So I just got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. And I thought I really need something different here. And I think a lot of people go through this you know, that I've seen in their career where you think, well, this is all I've ever done and this is what I'm good at. What else is there out there for me? And I remember thinking, I just want a job where I can just go to work at 9.30 to 2.30, go pick up my kids and not have to worry about anything. So I actually even used to joke about going and getting a job in a retail store, fashion store that I love, but I kind of knew that it wouldn't really fulfill me. I knew it would solve one of my problems, but I knew that I, I knew that I was worth more, I suppose. I knew that I was capable of more and I knew that I probably wouldn't find it fulfilling. So it was then, okay, what can I do to actually create a life where I get to live life on my terms? Wow. So for the busy parent out there who has a kiss, who has work, who is making, I guess, diet or food decisions based on convenience, what do you, you say to them? Like, what words of caution would you give them? What things did you 
do in order to make sure that you were able to help keep your family healthy when things were a little tight from a time perspective? I did learn some lessons the hard way. I will warn you that. I think food can take up a lot of headspace. So one of the things I did learn the hard way was the importance of preparation. And I think for me, it was always really important to me that I gave my kids healthy lunches and snacks and so on. So, And I remember sometimes saying to my husband when I was busy trying to get all that sort of thing organized, I remember saying, I can see why people do just throw little packets of biscuits and things into their kids' lunches because it's quick and easy. But for me, because I made a decision that was important, I would spend time on the weekend, for example, you know, cutting up vegetables. Or like if I was making dinner, for example, in the evening, I'd be cutting up two days worth of extra vegetables to put into their lunches, you know, some vegetable sticks and, you know, a dip that I'd made. I'd cut up the fruit the night before so that in the morning I'd have it, I could grab it and put it into the lunch boxes because we'd often leave home at 5 a.m. because one of my daughters was doing competitive swimming. And some days I wouldn't be getting home until seven o'clock at night by the time I'd done all the school runs and the ballet runs because, of course, they were never there at the same time. So a lot of it is deciding that it's important and being willing to, like, so, you know, I could have said, oh, I have to get healthy food for my kids or my family. My thing was, I get to do that. So your mindset around the whole food thing is big thing. It's like, the, I don't enjoy choosing what meals to have in grocery shopping or food preparation more than the next person, I promise you. But what I've done is I've started, I, I've decided that it's important. And so my, my whole mindset about it is different. So even when I do my food preparation, I always say to people, try to make it fun. You know, when I go to the grocery, I, I could get online groceries, but I, I'm that person who likes to go there and look at everything and choose which one I'm getting. So I've kind of made this habit now on the re- on the weekend. It's not necessarily at, you know, eight o'clock on a Saturday, I go to get the groceries. One of my habits is every weekend, I will plan my meals for the week, just Monday to Thursday, and I'll get the grocery shopping done. Now, it could be lunchtime on Saturday. It might be Saturday afternoon because I'm one of those people who doesn't like too much structure. But I know if I just let myself do what I feel like doing, I'll never get around to doing it. So my habit is on the weekend, I plan my meals and shop just Monday to Thursday. And then I kind of figure out whatever's happening over the weekend. And I will spend some time on the weekend making some healthy snacks for their lunch boxes. And so what I do is I try and make it fun. So I might put on some music. If there's, you know, a favorite Netflix show on, I'll be doing it in front of that. Rather than just thinking, oh gosh, you know, I've got to do this thing. A lot of it is the mindset about what it is that, you know, you're doing. And for me also too, it was really important. What your kids learn from you is what later on will show up in life. So even though they might get drift off and once they, I've found with mine, you know, they get their license, they've got freedom, they've got money. They maybe, you know, they've got less, they've got more control over what they eat. And I've seen it with both of them, you know, find the junk food in the, in their cars and so on. And some of them have had to learn. You know, their lessons are hard way, but it was really important to me. And I decided that early on that I wanted to set a good example for my kids. I wanted to show them and then they'll figure out what they want to do in life. But that grounding that they get when they're at home is really, really important. So I think mm-hmm. it's the decision to make it in, that it's important. It's your mindset around it is really important as well. For sure. And so do you think most parents actually understand that they're programming their children's food choices when they throw the biscuits in, as you said, because it's convenient? No, I think it's a lot of things when it comes to health that we do. And that's not necessarily, you know, health, but it's just, they're busy. Like, I totally get it. Like, I understand. 
they're just doing what, you know, they're in survival mode. So they're just doing what's convenient. And I, I totally, I totally get it. But I think also too, there's so much confusion around food that a lot of people don't even really understand what is healthy or they, they don't even realize that the things that they're doing are unhealthy. So talk to me about that, right? Confusion around food, things that we think are healthy or not healthy. That's <laughs> alarming. It is. That's really alarming. Come, like, break that down for me. You can't just throw that out there without some data. <laughs> well, when you think about it, we, we never really properly taught. Well, I don't know what it's like in the US, but we, at, at school, we learn about the food pyramid. Like, do you have the food pyramid there? Okay. Yeah, we so do. That, was, that was put together by the agricultural industry, it wasn't put together by the health industry. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. We're not really properly educated about food. And how food affect. We're told to eat your fruit and vegetables and eat, you know, you know, meat and or whatever. But people aren't really educated about the impacts that different foods have on your body. And then if you don't have that information about how the foods affect your body, unless you're actually mindfully tuning into how those foods affect your body, most people are going through life just in a bit of a slumber. Just, you know, I did a workshop the other day and there was 25 women there, and I said, I'm just curious, how many of you actually had breakfast? And of the 25 women, and I said, I'm not talking about coffee in the car on the way to work. Of the 25 women, only three of them had had breakfast. And I said, how many actually had protein with your breakfast? And only two of the 25 women had protein with their breakfast. And then people wonder, why do I, why do I struggle after lunch? Why am I, you know, really feeling like I could put my head on the desk and fall asleep? Why am I looking at three o'clock for that chocolate or that coffee or something to pick me up and give me the energy to get going? They just think, I'm tired. They haven't figured out, oh, I didn't have breakfast. Mm. Or maybe I had a couple of bits of toast, but that might have spiked my blood sugar because, you know, I just had some toast and jam. And then, you know, by 10.30, I'm starving again and I have a coffee to get me through to lunch. And then I've just gone and, you know, grabbed whatever's quick and easy from the nearest, you know, place to grab lunch from. It might be a sandwich or something. And again, they're on this sort of blood roller coaster where, and it's not on purpose. It's just they're not educated and informed. And it's not hard. I think, well, my whole thing is healthy living made simple, easy and fun because we want it to be fun and simple. And I think there's a continuum, you know, when it comes to food. So yes, you know, on one hand, you've got your, you know, organic and you've cut it all up and bought it yourself and prepared it all yourself. And on the other end of the spectrum, we've got the food that comes in packets that's maybe not so healthy and fried and so on. And I'm not saying everything has to be made from scratch because we're busy. I get that. I love to show people how can we move from the not so good end of the spectrum to the better end of the spectrum just by making better choices. So it might be if you're super busy. I had a client the other day and she said, I said, what are you proud of this week? And she said, I had to take my kids to an appointment. And she got two little kids, one and three. And she said, you know, it was 20 past five. I had to get home and get dinner. And she said, normally I would have just gone through the drive through She said, but I'm so proud of myself. I actually went to the supermarket. I bought a cooked chicken. I did buy a bag of vegetables or salads and so on. And so we had chicken and salad. I said, that is awesome. That's winning because that's a better choice than what you could have made. So you don't have to go from the not so healthy end of the spectrum to the super healthy end of the spectrum in one go because no one can do that. Even I don't live like that. But what we want to do is look at how can we make healthier choices that are going to get us closer to our goals. Mm. And that goes back to what I was talking about with the unique lifestyle. I work with clients who don't cook. So I have to f- help them find ways of sourcing foods that are healthier, that they can get 
delivered or that they can buy from their local supermarket and so on. So I'm not living in some ideal world where people have to grow and cook everything up. I have to help people find ways around their lifestyle. You know, those workers that I talked about that travel and they've got a huge buffet every night that they choose from at work, I've got to help them figure out how do I stand at that buffet where there's all those foods available and make the best choices that I can. So the food the industry, food industry love us to be confused. So the, how many diets? There's over a hundred different diets out there. Fast 800, keto, should I go paleo? Should I do intermittent fasting? Low sugar, no sugar, low fat. You know, so confused. And I've lived through that era. I lived through that era where it was, well, don't eat fat. Fat's bad for you. And so instead we had low fat everything, which is just loaded up with sugar. And that's all stuff that it causes confusion for people. Because one minute everyone's saying, don't eat fat. And the next minute it's like, no, fat actually really good for you. So people are like, well, what do I believe? It's a whole, the diet industry is a huge industry and the food industry is too. And they manufacture foods so that from that first bite, that first pop of that food in your mouth, how it feels, the flavor, all of that stuff is designed to make you want to crave more. Crave more. So are you suggesting that it's addictive? Absolutely. It, it is designed to be addictive. Your food is designed to be addictive. Absolutely, because there are there are hormones that control our appetite or how hungry we are. There are hormones that control how satisfied we feel in terms of hunger, but also appetite. So there's one particular hormone that controls our satiety. So if they can play to that hormone, if they can play to that hormone that speeds up our gastric emptying, for example, it means we can eat more of that food. So how hard is it to eat one chip or crisp? That's so hard. I dealt, I dealt with that earlier today and I was eating Pringles on top of it. So, And it's a complicated, it's a really complicated connection going on between, and people talk about hormones and I think they just think about, you know, sex hormones, but there are hormones that control our hunger, that control our satiety and so on. And so when we understand that it's not just, most people think to beat cravings, they need more willpower, more discipline. But when you understand that there are physiological but also emotional factors that affect our cravings, if you can actually get on top of the physical ones, it's actually amazing that within a couple of weeks, you can notice a big difference to your cravings just by working on the physical. And then once you've worked on the physical side of things, which is, you know, our blood sugar, our hormones, our neurotransmitters, which is that, you know, the feelings of bliss and euphoria that you get when you eat food that tastes amazing. It's our gut health. It's whether we've got the right nutrients. If we don't have good nutrients going into our body, for example, because we're eating too much processed food, our body's craving energy. And so it will look for the quickest hit of energy, which is often the nearest thing you can get your hands on, which might be something from a vending machine or, you know, some chocolate that's in the fridge. So all of those factors together physically, when you can actually understand and get on top of those, it's actually really not that hard to get on top of your cravings, but it's understanding some of that and going, okay, it's not just more willpower and more discipline. If I just do these things, then I can actually start to get my cravings under control. And then we start to look at, because we all have emotional connections with food. It might be, I mean, I know for me, I was brought up to eat everything on my plate. And that was, and if we went out for dinner, I remember, I can remember my mum and dad saying one night we're going to a buffet and they said, now, you know, this buffet is really expensive, so make sure you get your bunnies away. So eat up, eat as much as you can and, so that we could get our money's worth from this buffet. So even now, you know, if we ever went out for, for dinner and we paid for food, 
It was like, eat all of the food so that you're not wasting it. You're not wasting money. And even now I'm really acutely aware of that. And it's something I still have to consciously remind myself. It's okay. Like we've already spent the money. It doesn't matter how much food we eat, that money, we can't get it back. So, you know, that's that's something that's conditioned and hardwired into me. The same with, you know, some people are brought up to have dinner and then dessert. Or I see it a lot with sport. I don't know whether it's big over there, but I coached netball for years. I see it with all sport. At the end of the game, the kids get a big bag of lollies and they bust the lollies open and they're all eating lollies. So they've gone and done all this sport and they go and eat all this sugar, you know. And so we use food as reward. It can be habits. It can be stress. Or sometimes we use food, you know, people might emotionally eat because something's missing. They're feeling sad or lonely. And so there's an emotional connection as well. So if we can get the physical body under control, then we can start to explore some of the more emotional things because we're not grappling with the whole big problem. We can sort of start to get it under control. And then we've got more brain space to be able to focus on the other things. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So you're of the opinion that if you can create a physical change, then that sets you up for the mental change. I've seen people go the other way. It's like, all right, we need to work on your mindset. And then your mindset will drive the physical change. But you're saying by getting the body recalibrated, doing something different, having a different experience, that state change will then be the catalyst for us to have a mindset change. There's actually two answers to that question. I think when it comes to cravings, because thinking about food takes up a lot of brain space for people. So I think to give people the headspace to be able to explore their relationship with food, I think it can be really helpful to get the physical side under control a bit first, rather than starting to try and explore emotional connections with food while you're still having these cravings. But where you and I have a very big point of alignment is when I start working with someone on their health overall, the first thing that I do is to actually get them to explore what what would you really love to have for your health? If you were living your healthiest, happiest life, where you felt really good in your body, where you had the energy to do all the things that you would love to do, what would that look like for you? Most people have never thought about that. So the first thing that I do with people, and this is probably where I am a bit different, is if someone says comes to me and says, you know what, I actually want to make some changes to my health, we look at where are you now? Where would you really love to be? And I mean, I get really into detail with people about exactly what that looks like. They really paint a crystal clear vision of what that looks like for themselves. And when we've got that, then we can start to work on some of the other things. So then if it was, if, if I knew that they were having big cravings, I'd start to, we'd start working on some of the physical stuff. But that vision of what they really want is so important so that they can actually, because what happens is people start trying to change their behaviors. Normal, because that's the easy thing. 
for that. Okay, that's it, you know, going on a diet. Um, and also the other big thing is people often think, like you just said, your doctor told you, was it 35 pounds he said to yeah, Lutz? Yeah, yeah. So most people's reaction, I don't know, Jerome, you might be different. They go, ah, that's it. I've got to change my diet. I've got to start eating healthier. I've got to go to the gym five times a week or whatever. And so they start on this crazy big change. The and then they go three days in and they're like, oh gosh, like this is so hard. I can't do it. You know, they go to the gym for 45 minutes and that first day, it's great because you maybe haven't been for a while and you've got all this energy. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you start working out, well, this feels really good and you keep going and going. And then the next day or for two days afterwards, you can't walk because you've pushed your body to these crazy limits. And then you're like, oh, I don't think I'll be doing that again. Rather than starting slowly and putting in place habits that you can sustain well beyond. And that's probably the thing that the people that work with me find the most frustrating, I'll be really honest, is because most people are used to going and doing some big radical change that they can do for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, and they push themselves to these really unhealthy limits with cutting everything out of their diet, trying to maintain an exercise regime that they'll never be able to maintain long-term. And so by the end of it, when they finish it, they're like, thank goodness that's over. And they go back to their old ways. Although I even hear people say, I was like, I can't wait till this is over. But can go back to what I was doing before. That's only going to end up in that cycle of, you know, you lose the weight or you get to where you want to get to. Excuse me. And then you start again because over time things start to slip off. My, one of my absolute favorite books, I think I should be on some sort of, you know, affiliate program, Farron Hardy. Two books that I, for anyone, people ask me, what are your favorite books on health? I love Atomic Habits by James Clear and I love The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Because if we can actually put in place small habits and really nail those habits over time, it's the little things that compound to the big things. No matter what give it me is. An example. Give me an example. Give me, give me an example for the, the, I don't want to call it diet, the lifestyle that we create surrounding what we consume for fuel. That sounds better than diet. It, it does. I try not to say diet because it's got that sort of connotation of, you know, restriction and so on. So when I work with someone, instead of saying, okay, we've got to change everything, we might start with breakfast. Okay, what, what are you eating for breakfast? So everyone's different. What's your schedule like? If I've got a client that's walking out the door at 5 a.m., we're probably not going to be recommending cooking up eggs and, you know, vegetables and so on. That's not going to work. So, and I also, it's preferences too. So it might be, so what's your schedule? What sort of time do you have in the morning to organize breakfast? Even your palate. Like some people love a savory breakfast. Some people might prefer, you know, so I'm a real sweet too. So I'm someone who loves something sweet for breakfast. So even that is, okay, great. So now now we know what, what someone enjoys. Then we've got to find, okay, what's going to be quick and easy that you can do? Or if you've got plenty of time and you love to cook your breakfast, fantastic. But if you're a busy person who's running out the door because you want to go to the gym and then go straight to work, or you've got kids to run around or busy schedule, we need to find something. And is it you've got 10 minutes in the morning for breakfast or five minutes? Like what's going to work? So for example, with someone who might love a savory breakfast, but has no time in the morning, I'll say, what about on the weekend making up a frittata? Like I've got a great recipe or do you call it frittata or like an omelette kind of thing that you can make ahead, have in the fridge or the freezer, you know, cut that up into portions. You can pull it out, heat it up in the microwave or even eat it cold. There's a really good healthy breakfast that you can have that you'll enjoy because you like a savory breakfast 
and it's really quick and easy. Mm-hmm. Other people might want to do like some overnight oats or, you know, make up some chia puddings or something that's got lots of protein in it that they can pull out of the fridge and take with them. They might make a really healthy smoothie with protein and some healthy carbohydrates and healthy fats. Because again, people use things like protein powders and they'll just mix it up with water and that's not really necessarily nutritious. So it's about even using food to, and it's really simple. I just teach people how to fill their plate. And honestly, it's not about weighing and measuring everything. It's going, this is how we need to fill our plate to create what's called a hormonally balanced meal. So those six hormones that I was talking about before that actually affect your hunger and your satiety, there are four things that you need to do to control those hormones. And it's so simple. It's eating enough protein, eating healthy fats, eating the right sort of carbohydrates and eating fiber. That's all those things need. It's not complicated. So that When you look at all the hormonal side of it, it is really complicated. But when you look at what we need to do to satisfy those hormones, it's actually really, really simple. It's really simple. So I just teach people how to fill your plate. And if you can picture a plate, and I can share this image with you, Jerome, if you'd like, we want to be filling half our plate with non-starchy vegetables. So carrots, broccoli, beans, peas, whatever non-starchy. When I say starchy, I mean things like sweet potato and potato. So half your plate, vegetables. A quarter of your plate lean protein. So whether that's, you know, your meat, chicken, fish, eggs, and so on, or if you're vegetarian or vegan, that's your beans and lentils, chickpeas and so on, quinoa. And then the other quarter of your plate is made up of your healthy carbohydrates and your healthy fats. And so again, you know, there was another era where it was like, oh, we can't eat carbs. Carbs will make us fat. Carbs are really important. Like carbohydrates are the first thing that your body uses for energy. The problem with carbohydrates is that we're usually eating the not so healthy carbohydrates, but it's also the proportion of the carbohydrates that we're eating. So if we can actually, and you can take any meal that you have right now and readjust it to, to, to this model. And then the other thing is the healthy fats. So your olive oil, your avocado oil, seeds, and so on. So that's what I teach wow. people. And then actually, then it's easy to eat out because you can order off a menu and think about that. It's how can I just make this meal a little bit closer to this model? Wow. Sharon, you're a deep well of knowledge when it comes to health. I tell you what, and it sounds, even listening to your voice is soothing because I think for a lot of people, they get anxiety when you you start talking about constriction, restriction, any boundaries or rules around what they eat because, I mean, for a lot of folks, it's a free-for-all. I know people who say, I just go to the gym so I can eat whatever I want. So, and you're saying, yeah. I'm saying you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. (laughs) And that's the thing too, like those people might look healthy on the outside. And I'll be honest with you, I was one of those people. I looked really healthy on the outside because I would, I always prioritized my exercise. So, you know, when I was doing that whole corporate thing, like I was really, really busy. But the one thing that I always put in my diary was my exercise and I would schedule that in. But I would sometimes skip lunch because I was so busy. So I wasn't necessarily eating unhealthy food. I was actually not nourishing my body because I would skip meals or I'd just, you know, grab a handful of rice crackers or a muesli bar and so on. So for me, I wasn't actually fueling my enough. So yes, you cannot exercise your way out of a bad diet. But I think that the thing is, you know, it's about nailing the small habits. And if we can get breakfast under control and then we can say, okay, great. So what's going to work for you for lunch? You know, are you someone that's at home at lunchtime? Do you work in an office? Are you someone who's driving around at lunchtime? And then we figure out, okay, what do you do for each of those scenarios that's going to work for you for lunch? Do you have leftovers? Will you take that? Some people are like, no, there's no way. 
other people are like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do that. So we've got to figure out what's going to work for each person. And if we can help them find and take the thinking out of it and go, okay, if I know that there's three places near my work where I can go and get delicious lunches that are really healthy, cool, that's my go-to. And I just sit there and think, what am I going to have for lunch today? The little things become the big things. It's not about massive transformational change. It's about doing the small changes. And that's when I started, I said people can get frustrated working with me because when they've gone and done the big transformational things and got great results, when they work with me, the results don't come so quick because it's about changing the lifestyle that you are never going to go on another diet again. This is the last time you're ever going to do that because you are going to create healthy habits that are going to fit around your life so that you can continue forever. And that's why we do it slowly. And I say to people, and in both those books, if you look at the diagrams, I say it's like a jet taking off on a runway. It takes a while for that plane to actually build up momentum to get some speed up. So we're, t- we're taking off. It's slow and there's not a lot of change at the start. And then once we get going, it, that jet plane gets up into the air really quite quickly and, and the results just keep on going. And so that's the biggest thing with people I tell them at the start is if this is going to be slower than what you would have had before, but it's not going to be painful in the process. You can still go to the football game and you know enjoy eating out with your friends and so on. But we're going to make some other healthier changes around it and you're going to get the results slower, but you're going to be able to be in control. You're going to be able to sustain them long term. And that's, I think, where people then can get off that yo-yo dieting cycle and create a life where they can have that balance, but they can still enjoy life. Man, Sharon, this has been a phenomenal episode of the Dreamcatchers podcast. I I don't think I've ever just had so much information packed into so few minutes. This is so phenomenal. I, I like to wrap up these shows by asking one question. And I know you've listened to a few of the episodes, so I'm sure you've got your answer ready. Yeah. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from our time today? It's the little things that become the big things. So don't underestimate the compounding effect of small changes. So don't think you've got to do something radical. Even if you just made a decision to do one thing better today than you did yesterday. And then you work on that for a while. And then you work on another thing. All those little things over time will compound. Compound, compound, compound. to get an amazing outcome. Such a good job, Sharon. Thank you so much. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.